Good morning, everyone. Friends. Um, over, we have a three-year cycle in our readings known as A, B, and C. We are in B uh, year, and uh, we always have the Transfiguration reading. Uh, the first and second readings change, and so I have addressed this first reading. Uh, many, many Christians are troubled by the reading because how it asks. It shows God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. And there's different ways to approach it. And I've tried all the different ways. Uh, perhaps uh, this way will help us understand. Uh, Abraham and his tribe, and they lived in, at that time, they were all tribes. He lived among the tribes of the Canaanites. And the Canaanites uh, offered human sacrifice. Most of the tribes around did. And uh, Abraham is still learning about this God that speaks to him. And um, it would not have been shocking then for Abraham to have the God that talks to him ask for a life. Uh, what it was shocking probably was the fact that Abraham in his 90s finally gets a child. That's what's unusual. Remember, they're very old and God lets them have a child. So Abraham... Good question, but didn't you just give me this child? And the scriptures tell us that he reasoned that God can do all things, and surely he could raise his son from the dead. Uh, but uh, so what is happening? Well, my friends, in the past 75 years, excavations in that area has uncovered uh, the truth that the Canaanites, in fact, did do human sacrifice, and some of them were children. This is unfortunate, but what God ultimately is doing is calling Abraham to not do this. Now, you may question the way he went about it, but it worked because uh, Abraham certainly does. He asks, so it's definitely a sign of his obedience to this God, to the God we know, and uh, his faith in God. But when the time comes and he sees that Abraham is going to do it, God's messenger stops him and tells him, not one finger do you lay on him. And as a matter of fact, as the story goes on, we will hear that God will tell him, I want you to separate yourself from those people. You will not do what they do. And so it was a tough learning lesson for sure. <laughs> But that is one of the ways I thought maybe you guys might come to an understanding of it because it's a tough reading. The second reading tells us that if God is for us, and he is, since God is with us and on our side, that we can face anything that comes. And this will be important because lots of things come. And uh, my friends, that brings us then to this reading of the Transfiguration uh, this reading is unique in that it is both a theophany and an epiphany. Epiphany is God's revelation to people. Theophany, in my sense of humor, is God speaking to himself. <laughs> so he's talking to God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all three there, so it's a theophany. Uh, and then in this case, the people get to listen to the conversation. God is saying, this is my Son. And it's placed in a way that we can understand it, but God is speaking to his son. And uh, we remember this great event, another of God's mysteries. And what happened on Mount Tabor was an explosion of this mysterious light, this light that shone around and from within Jesus. 
It is a light that is the creator of worlds, a light that's shown, a light different from all other things. The transfiguration was and is a moment of challenge and promise uh, to everyone, but particularly to Jesus' disciples, his apostles. On that mountain, they glimpsed the divinity of this Jesus of Nazareth. They realized in that moment that Jesus was more than just a teacher like the others, more than just one of the other prophets, more than a healer because he had been doing that. He's different. He appears to be the Son of God because that is what God has said. The voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. That means that Jesus' teaching is God's teaching. Jesus' example is God's ways. Jesus' mercy is God's mercy. The forgiveness of Jesus is God's forgiveness. That is why the church was so careful to preserve the words that are found in the New Testament. The words, the gestures, all the ways of Jesus in the gospel and the teachings of his apostles in the New Testament. We no longer have to wonder what God wants. We are told what he wants. What Jesus had to say to the religious leaders of his time was not just for them, but for us also. All the hierarchy of all the churches should pay close attention to his words. What Jesus had to say to the self-righteous people of his time was not just for them, but for the self-righteous people of our time. What Jesus had to say to the repentant and converted people, the ones who were seeking a relationship with God, he says to us today, here's the way to my Father. When we read the Gospels, we are not just reading about some story in the past, in salvation history. We are reading God's message today also to us. Friends, um, this is the reason why the New Testaments are held with such esteem. With eight words on this event, on this mountain, this is my beloved son, listen to him. The transfiguration becomes many, many things. It becomes a moment of promise. It was a preview or foreshadowing for the apostles to show them what was beyond the Good Friday event that was coming that they didn't understand. It was supposed to strengthen them during the trial of Jesus' crucifixion and then his death. It is also a promise of what awaits every disciple of Jesus. We are told in this gospel from Mark that um, the cloud, you know, the cloud, Shekinah, means the very presence of God. That means they knew that that meant God was there. And this cloud enveloped all of them, wrapped them like a blanket. This was symbolic to let them know 
You are part of this. You are in it. You will have to suffer like my son. But watch and see what happens. You will also have resurrection and glory with my son. The glory that we see in Jesus will one day be yours. The disciples of Jesus, the Christians, we sell ourselves short if we think this earthly life will deliver everything. The ultimate reward for all things, for the good they have done, we think that ultimate justice will be found in this life. They expect their real worth to be made evident here. They are going to be saddened and disappointed. Our full glory to come is in Christ and with Him. All the limitations of this world will be gone on that day. All the misunderstandings will be left behind and will be no more. The burdens of aging, all oh, my bones, <laughs> the arthritis, heart disease. Father hears it all because he goes to the hospitals and anoints people. All of this will be left behind, will be no more. The glory of Christ is ahead of us. It is the destination of the disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> Wake up. Our future is not a tomb, but eternal life. My friend St. Paul wrote a letter to a community called the Corinthians, and he tells us that although we may have to suffer here and now, glory awaits us. And the reading from today from Romans tells you, God is with us. He is for you. He is encouraging you. He is on your side. He is not your enemy. He is your father, and he desires what is best for you. Sometimes we know what is best for ourselves, right? <laughs> I know I learned that lesson. <laughs> I always think I know what's best for me, and then Jesus points out that is not so good for you. The promise given in Christ's transfiguration is the promise of a greater life and a future. So disciples of Christ, do not set your sights so small in this world. For the transfiguration gives you a bigger picture. When we die, when we pass from this world, we do not disintegrate into nothingness or into non-existence. We go into the loving embrace of Christ who truly knows you. There are eight words in the gospel reading that are simple to understand and offers each of us peace and hope. Those words make the path of holiness simpler to follow. They are the words of the Father, not only to his Son to encourage him because Jesus, after the transfiguration, stands up and heads for that with determination and anticipation. The disciples, argh, we will discover in the reading that they run away. 
these words of the Father to his Son and to the disciples, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. That means not only just believe, but do something. To him be glory and power and honor forever and ever unto the ages upon ages. Amen. Amen. It comes from the book of Revelations. And so my friends, this event on the transfiguration, the story, the veil which separates the invisible things from the visible things in this world, the future from the present, on that mountain for one moment is removed and they were able to see the truth. And it was hard for them to accept because the story tells us they left wondering what is rising from the dead <laughs> until they saw Jesus rise from the dead. That is when they understood. Let us not be like that. I leave you with these words from Ephesians. Be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. And St. Paul ends it with, try and learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You know what is pleasing to the Lord. Sometimes you just don't want to do it. Friends, as your pastor, I pray for you always. So in, in this time, I pray that you have the, um, the obedience and the foresight of Abraham, our father in the faith that you have the persistence and the, um, also the fortitude of St. Paul, the apostle, and that you have the mercy and patience of Christ himself. 